You are listening to Uncomfortable, comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. Hello and welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable, the podcast. The podcast has comfortable conversations around uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Debbie Roach, and in today's episode, I'm chatting with bullshit disturber, Andrea Hill. Now, you might recognize Andrea from the very first podcast episode where I chatted with her and Jill Prescott about love, sex and relationships. And we had a really fun conversation. So feel free to go scroll back and uh, listen to the first episode. Now, in this particular episode, Andrea and I talk about calling yourself out on your own bullshit. Now, Andrea describes herself as a bullshit disturber, blind spot revealer and love seeking missile. She guides you in doing the work required to have the love that you desire. Now, as always, there's some strong language in this episode. So when you're listening, make sure to pop on those headphones phones. Otherwise, please enjoy this conversation with this amazing human, Andrea Hill. Andrea, it's really great to have you back on Uncomfortable because you were actually one of my original guests when it was still Deb Talks. So it's it's so it's so much fun to have you back. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I think of how much both, uh, well, I'll speak for myself, we've changed since then. Yeah. So definitely which which is this is kind of a cool thing that we're doing this now right because you and Jill uh, Prescott came on my very first episode back when it was still Deb Talks um Mm -hmm. and then it kind of just developed into something a little bit different but but still similar so I'm really curious to kind of see how your business has has changed and you as a person has, mm-hmm. has changed so you know before we get into that I know obviously what you do because I follow you and have for a long time uh, but if you can tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and the work that you do um yeah I well what I I think I finally landed on um to kind of uh, embody all that I do is I call myself a revolutionary uh love coach and the reason for that is is that um Although it seems quite simple, the premise in which I teach, it is a bit revolutionary because uh, how we're raised, how we're conditioned as we grow up by society and other people is we have this weird relationship with love. And the revolutionary idea that I really like to purport and teach is that um, that that relationship begins on the inside it's the relationship that we have for with ourselves and uh, without oversimplifying it it's that relationship that really dictates all the other relationships that we have in our life but we're not taught this when we're little everything's very conditional and it's about proving yourself so it's a lot of dismantling what I'm teaching um and when I say teaching I do a lot of um uh, sharing of information for free on social platforms. Um, I run programs, I do one-on-one coaching, and that's where I've pretty much put my sole focus. Whereas when we first met and started, I had started a dating service, which was revolutionary as well, and a pretty awesome way to connect with people. But I very quickly realized that, I mean, you can create the most beautiful environment for two people or several people to connect. But if you haven't done your own work and you don't have the strong foundation of a relationship with self, you're gonna have a hard time. It doesn't matter where you are or who they are, you're going to struggle. So I've redirected my energy into really helping people dive into that relationship first and foremost. 
Wow. It's really cool to see, you know, this business that you had, which, you know, was fantastic because we talked about it um, before where you had the, the dinner table where people would come and they would meet in this really lovely environment. But it's, I love actually seeing the progression of people's businesses. And it's almost like you start with a kind of wider scope and it gets narrower and narrower and narrower until you find that niche. And it's almost like you're now addressing a root issue that will help those people then go out and you know go to a dinner party and potentially find the person that they love right so it's really cool to see that pr progression now the title of your program is I call bullshit and I absolutely love that title so tell me how you came up with that uh well honestly um someone called bullshit on me and what I've come to realize, and, and I think I use sort of a jarring name because I think that's what most of us need. We need a little bit of a shakedown. I mean, what I say is that I help you give your own relationship with self and your love life a loving shakedown. And it starts with calling bullshit because I think probably the mass majority of people, if you ask them why they're single or why they struggle in relationships, they do a really good job of this well-practiced story that they, you know, bought into and have a whole history to kind of support um, this explanation or this rationalization of why we're single or when we don't want to be. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being single. Um, I think the majority of, sh of us should be single for a good stretch of time to focus on our relationship with self. But I think if we're being honest as human beings, we're social creatures and we're really here to share our heart with someone else. And we want to be seen and heard and accepted for who we are. And um, we need to cut through the bullshit in order to be able to access what we need in order to call in the right people that are a reflection of the beauty of who we are. And it's, it takes honesty and a big helping of humble pie and being able to you know, look at your stuff and perhaps what you've been most likely selling yourself um, that is actually keeping you cut off from what it is that you really wa are wanting in your life. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really true. I know um, I had come out of a long-term relationship and of course went into dating because I hadn't dated for so long. And eventually I just realized like, I'm not going to meet the right person if I don't work on me. And kind of took a year. And then not long after that, met the person that I now live with. So I think taking that time for yourself is so important. So important. So what in your experience, whether it's personal or just um, the experience of the clients that you come across the most, why do you think that people like feel unworthy of love? Because I hear that a lot. And I've been there too so I'm just curious to know what your experience is uh, well I think if we're all being honest we all have and I think it's the climate in which we're raised um, you know and shout out to all the parents they're doing the best with the information that they have but we're we're more or less in the majority of cultures raised in an environment where love is conditional so if we behave or look or perform uh, in a certain way, we learn that gives us access to love and affirmation and validation. And then if we perhaps behave in ways that are true to ourselves, but not acceptable to our parents or our peers or people that we choose to be in relationship with, and we're told that we're wrong in some way, then we start disassociating with the truth of who we are. We hide parts of ourselves because we have learned through experience that certain parts of us aren't worthy of love, aren't acceptable, and that we need to bury those things. And through our unhealthy relationship with those disowned parts is actually what wreaks havoc on our relationship life, first and foremost with ourselves. And then, of course, is reflected back to us and those that we call into our experience. Mm -hmm. So like, if you don't mind me asking this, you had said that someone had called you out on your bullshit. Yes. So, 
I, if you want, I'd love for you to kind of tell us a little bit about that, you know, whatever you feel comfortable um, doing. And then what was kind of the aha moment for you to, to make the change? Yeah, well, um, I've shared the story a lot, so I'm completely comfortable. And what I would actually offer to anyone listening is that you know you're starting to get in a good place of being in relationship with self and with your own truth when you can be more transparent. And I think it's really important for someone who teaches what I do, um, that I live from and teach from my own place of truth and transparency is key. If you're thinking, oh, I don't want to share that because I got some shame attached to it. I'm worried about judgment. That's a really good indicator that you've got some work to do. So that said, um, I mean, I have been fascinated with the social romantic dynamic between individuals for a really long time. I wrote about it for years. I was my own guinea pig. I started my dating service. And I also did something else in Vancouver because I heard so many people complaining about the dating environment that I started a, a research study and to be of service that every Tuesday I would go out to a different cafe around Vancouver I would put a giant sign on the table that said, I invite you to sit down and talk to me about your dating and love life. Um, well, you want an exercise in vulnerability. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> Definitely. But, yeah, because of course this elicits discomfort in others. There's a lot of staring, judgmental looks, pointing, snickering. I mean, that unto itself is therapy of working through your own stuff and holding space of being uncomfortable. Yes. But through this practice, um, I had a lot of people that were really willing to sit down and share. And it was one of my last sit downs. And I had a guy join me and, you know, I asked questions, we're in an uh, open, honest conversation. And then he turned the tables on me. And he said, well, why are you in a relationship? And I said, no. And then I went into the rationalization and, you know, explaining why I wasn't and busy and helping others and all the things that made me feel good and rationalize my singleness. And then he said, well, I call bullshit. And I got red in the face. I had a full physical reaction my immediate go-to was like defensiveness. And I've done, I had done enough work at the time to know that um, that is, that's a truth teller. Your body never lies. So I was like, mm, there's a ding, ding, ding there. So why am I feeling the need to defend myself? Where's the truth in this? So then I made the decision to step into the process of calling bullshit on myself and dove deep and continue to do this work because it's an ongoing gig. Anyone that tells you you can take a program or do something and then you're like, woo, done. Yeah, is a big, get the certificate at the end. Yeah, no, you're is a big fat liar. Um, and, uh, you know, not unlike yourself, doing that work four months later, I had the most beautiful of individuals walk into my life in the... Like you could not have planned this in any way possible in the most bizarrest of ways. This beautiful individual came into my life and we've been together ever since. Um, and so grateful for the work that I did and I continue to do and that I teach because um, it has been deepening and sharpening those tools in that toolkit that have allowed me to be in this continuously expanding loving relationship so what did you do so this person calls bullshit on you in a coffee shop and you realize that you you need to go deeper what does that mean what did you do to go deeper um well I uh took my own programs I dove back into everything that I had learned I looked at my own research um I did uh my own spiritual work as well as personal development and um, really actually created what I did is the program. Mm. So it was looking into past hurts, where I disassociated, where I was hiding, where was shame lurking, 
one of my coaches said, um, you're deep in your proverbial basement and you've been throwing boxes up the stairs. Because the discomfort that I had in looking at those things before, I've now learned that it's in the discomfort where your liberation resides. Yeah. So the stuff that makes you the most uncomfortable is going to provide you the greatest amount of freedom and acceptance within yourself. So I've now become an ambulance chaser of discomfort because I know what's in there. Yeah. Uh, um, and you don't even say you're doing work around your relationship with your mother or with your father or past hurts or, and you go in and you do this work. It, again, it's not a done deal. Um, it's an ongoing thing because this wounding most likely has been there for a long time and it's multi-layered. You're multi-layered. So it takes uh, this commitment to continuing to show up for yourself to really get to the root of things so that you feel more free and accepting of yourself as well. So for me, it was understanding where I had been giving away my power um, what kind of agreements uh, I had made with past relationships, people in my family that I was supposed to play a certain role in my life, that I had unconsciously made this contract or agreement with that I knew was, well, it was BS, but I was allowing it to run the show or um, my relationship with my body, um, or um, what I had been told when I was little and had taken on as a truth. I mean, it is multi-layered, um, but it's these kind of things that most often are running our show and we're not aware of it. And then when things get tough, we abandon ourselves. Yeah. Now, why? Why do you think we abandon ourselves? Why is it so hard to you know, set or even chase that discomfort, that place where we know that change will happen, but we just won't go there. Well, I think a, a, a lot of this is origins in our childhood. And what we've learned from when we were little is that if something's painful, avoid it. Um, whether that be the hot stove or an emotional painful. Mm. And then even in your brave little person self, if you keep on attempting to do something from a place where you've been told you're wrong, but your little heart knows that you really want to have a sense of belonging or acceptance, but you're doing it from a place of imbalance or insecurity, you're just going to continue to prove that belief that someone else has passed on to you that it was theirs and probably their mothers and the mother before them and so forth. Then you start accumulating this track record of proof that actually it's true that you're not valuable or you're not beautiful enough or you're not smart enough or tall enough or make enough money or whatever someone has set a value system for yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's going in and dismantling all those things and literally calling bullshit on them because they're not true. Yeah. Um, and that sometimes takes a bit of convincing. And that's why I always say, whether it's with me or someone else that, that you feel that their voice and what they're sharing resonates with you, get support because I did it on my own and it's a lot of heavy lifting and it would have been a lot more easeful and supportive um, if I hadn't. That said, I had different coaches for different areas of my life and I'm so grateful for them because I wouldn't have been able to lift some of the things that I did without that loving support. Yeah. And I'm curious because, you know, you, you were working with coaches, as you said, different aspects of your life. Doing this work, kind of digging deep into the bullshit, how did that change? We, you've told us how that changed your relationship. You, you met someone, it changed your relationship with yourself. You then went on to meet someone who you're now, you know, very happily in love with. But did it change other aspects of your life as well? Oh, it changes everything. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. Uh, it'll change. And this is the tough thing. And this is almost the, the disclaimer I put on my program. Because um, first and foremost, you need to be willing to do this work can't be something you're kind of hoping for and then you dip your toe into it and you're like, Whoa, and then you, you know, you pull up stakes. You've got to be, you know, all in and to trust the process and trust in yourself that this time you can show up and stay the course to make these differences. But the disclaimer that I put in is, is that it will be uncomfortable. 
we will get you through it. I'm gonna give you the tools that you can keep on working. And when you start doing this work, a lot of things will most likely change in your life. You will have people that will leave because they're not comfortable with this new person who's stepping into their power. You might have shifts and changes as a result in your work environment, in your family environment, in your friendship environment. Um, this, you know, the work that I do isn't just for single people, it's for people that are in relationship as well. It might change your uh, existing relationship. Most often, what I see is it causes definitely a rumbling within the family dynamic mm. because that's really where the origins are. Mm -hmm. So, um, and as a result, this is an invitation to the other people around you to deal with their own discomfort and either work through you and support you in this. Sometimes it is a wonderful opportunity to practice boundaries and that they need to just take a little step back and a breather while you do this and then you can come back later with these newer broadened tools so that you can have a different discussion and see if this is something that you can work together through and then sometimes it just means that that person was in your life for that period of time for you to both learn from each other and now it's time to rock on yeah it's it's so true how you know people start to change around you when you're changing and you start to attract i think more people who your your values align with right so it's almost like you you churn out like a new set of friends you know the old ones might stay they might not but you start to find more people which is one of the beautiful things i think about doing that kind of work now i'm curious to know because on your website um in your 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 story about yourself you call yourself a people pleaser or you were a people pleaser um I myself am too, and I know so many people who I think could benefit from your, you know, program because they're people pleasers too. So what advice would you give to people like that who kind of want to let go of old habits in their families, family beliefs that, to be honest, they're just saying yes to make their family happy. They're not doing it for them. Um, well. Uh, I think it's first and foremost, you got to start small. Um, and it's taking small little steps. Cause I think sometimes when you look at the big picture and you hear that things are going to change, we as human beings aren't really comfortable with change. Even if we're in an uncomfortable situation, it's familiar and we have survived it. So we rather stay in that environment than have something change because it's the unknown that kind of freaks us out. But it's, being in a practice of stepping into the unknown with a foundation of knowing that you have your own back that takes the scary away. Yeah. And I think the people pleasing is something, again, we learn from when we were little because it's that conditional love. It's if I am a yes person and I can perform certain tasks or look a certain way or do certain things, um, then that's where I get my sense of belonging from because people will accept me. You know, you think of young people getting certain grades so that their parents, you know, give them adulation or love and acceptance. And then if you get a shitty grade, you get yelled at. I mean, that's just a simple example. Yeah. But instead of the conversation being, well, that really, you know, that, how do you feel about that? That must, that must kind of suck. Can we talk about maybe why that happened and how I can support you? You know that I love you regardless. And, and let's see what we can do to change it for the future for yourself. Cause I want you to feel really good about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how often does that conversation happen? Yeah. Very right. <laughs> so that's where the people pleasing, I mean, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I tell you though, once you get a taste of it and then you, uh, the taste of stepping into your own power and owning your stuff because you know, come what may first and foremost, you're not going to abandon yourself. You become less concerned about others abandoning you because the ones that are abandoning you while you are standing up for your own wellness and loving yourself are they're doing you a favor. Yeah, definitely. But going through that transition takes a little doing, uh, especially if you felt really 
if you have deep wounding and abandoning or betrayal, um, it's, it's little incremental steps. And then you start to see and feel what it's like to show up for yourself, to say no instead of yes, and know that you're okay. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, there's steps and that, uh, that's why it's so important that we have a structure to follow in order to take those steps. Because when you look again, stand back and look at it all, it can seem really overwhelming. And I think that's why the majority of us stay stuck for so long. Cause we're like, Oh my God, self-love sounds great. And self-empowerment and that sounds wonderful, but what does that even mean? And where do I start? So having a structure to follow and steps to practice is essential. Yeah, I think the the getting started is is really the hardest part because you are you're really stepping into something that you are completely you have no idea what the outcome is going to be, and it's like you just have to let go of that. And then setting boundaries, I find, is still one of the hardest things. Like I still struggle with that, but you know, I progressively get better and better and. I think running a business actually helped me learn to set stronger boundaries. So that in itself was a whole learning experience. So like what advice, you know, you've got someone who wants to take that first step and they're absolutely terrified. Obviously your program is amazing too. Like, but what other resources would you give them to kind of just help them take that first step or what advice would you give them? Um, I think the first step is a curiosity. There's so much valuable information out there now. There's, you know, there's a, a number of books. There's lots of other coaches. There's podcasts. I think just being curious is a great place to start. Being curious about perhaps where you've been selling yourself a bit of bullshit in your life that actually your situation is not someone else's fault and that get curious about what it would look like or even feel like and just play with the idea of actually starting to take some responsibility for some things and seeing almost like a bit of a science experiment, not unlike what I did and what changes, mm. you know, it, a good place to know that, um, to know you're in a place that this is necessary is if you're feeling like you've been hard done by. Like if you have uttered things like guys are such jerks or, yeah. you know, women are crazy or dating's really shitty in Vancouver, or Chicago, or, you know, wherever you might be. If you're blaming your circumstance on things outside of you, that's probably the first invitation to start looking at the aspect of calling a little BS. And mm -hmm. what you can do is simply ask yourself, like when that stuff comes up and you question it, is like, what kind of reaction do I get within my body? Is there a bit of constriction, maybe a quickening of the heart, a feeling of defensiveness? There, you've already got some, some stuff to work with. And what would, if I wanted this situation to change, what would that look like? Or what's one thing I could do for myself today to support me in taking that step forward? It might be doing a discovery call with a coach, or it might be, um, you know, going to the coffee bar and uh, them getting your name wrong or order wrong and having it fixed. It might be, um, you know, looking at uh, the state of your home and being like, it's not time or, other things that are causing it to be an absolute hot mess chaos in here. It's actually me not making me and my environment a priority. So let's do a little something about it and see how that feels. Yeah. It's almost like spring cleaning <laughs> for yourself. Yeah. Interior <laughs> spring cleaning. Well, typically your outer experience is a reflection mm. of your own inner experience. I mean, it is. What I do like to tell people is that once you start doing this work, that will just automatically happen outside of you. So where I get a little bit of a, like a glitch in my side or a little bit of agitation is um, some dating coaches out there that are like, 
do X, Y, and Z to get the guy or get the girl. It's, no, you don't, there's no game playing or, or hoops that you need to jump through or places you need to be or your teeth don't need to be whitened and like <laughs> none yeah. of that stuff matters. If you actually start looking internally and start taking little steps and doing your own work and, and shoring up your relationship with self, everything outside of you will change. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. That person will show up if that's what you're wanting. Um, yeah. The dynamic that is making you uncomfortable at work will shift. The relationship you have with your dad, that will alter. Yeah. It's that so, all changes. It's so true. And I speak from my own experience of taking that time for myself and then just kind of going out and putting it out there and I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before but kundalini yoga was a big player in that for me um, and not that that would work for everybody it's definitely a really strange type of yoga but it's a lot of fun and I think just being in that environment and kind of embracing the fun of that um, that type of yoga and activity really helped me you know just be more confident and comfortable with myself you say something really important there, uh, Deb, that I think it's good to highlight is that it, it's, uh, it's taking all of you kind of gig. It's, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. It's, so it's you know, not just taking something like my program or working one-on-one -on -one with a coach. It's about you know, working on your relationship with your body. It's about finding practices like Kundalini yoga or something else that really speaks to you, that helps you deepen your connection with self, that helps develop a level of intimacy that's probably quite foreign to you, mm -hmm. knowing how to be with you. And there's lots of different modalities to do this with. I mean, physically, it might be, you know, you're able to do that when you're running or dance or, um, you know, um, tantric yoga or you know developing your relationship with your own sexuality or it could be a myriad of things it's like you almost need to when they say date yourself there's some truth in that mm -hmm. it's like enjoying your own company loving your own body um i think it's really important and if you're finding that you're dating and you're meeting people that are not a match for what you're desiring uh, it's always then to kind of look within again and be like, well, I'm a living embodiment of what it is they want. It's, this is one of the things that we do near the end of the program. I call it the bullshit list. Everyone loves to create a list of like <laughs> what they want in a partner. I want her to be, you know, like five foot nine and uber fit with you know, blonde eyes or blonde hair and blue eyes and you know, uh, intelligent and has a great, it's like, well, are, do you embody all these things? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Right. <laughs> um, and if you are embodying, if you are embodying them, like you're super fit and you're working on certain things, is it for your relationship with self or is it to acquire something? Mm. Are you using it as a transactional tool? Yeah. Because that is the epitome of an unhealthy relationship. Yes. But understandable because, again, we learn this from when we're little. Yeah. Conditional. So if I do this, I get this. If I do this, I don't get this. Yeah. Which perfectly leads me to my next question. What, in your opinion, is a healthy relationship what should we be you know working towards having a really good relationship with ourselves like really liking ourselves mm -hmm. and what that looks like in our experience is um being very clear what our yes and no is um, not overexerting ourselves, spending time to care for our vessels and for our minds and, and spiritual beings, um, doing things that fill us up, um, having a rich, full life with ourselves. And what a healthy relationship is, is two individuals that have come together to share that with each other. Yeah. 
that are self-accountable, self-responsible, um, respect each other because they respect themselves. It's that whole thing again. You respect yourself. You're going to bring a partner into your experience that does as well. But the real beauty of dating is, is that it provides the practice. Yeah. It's the best practice ground. Because as you are sort of, you know, starting to line up again with the truth of who you are and loving yourself fully and wholly, even the things that you've been taught for when you were little were not valuable, realizing, ah, actually, that's really what makes me very special. And I'm going to start practicing that, especially with people that I already have in my life that I feel safe with, to start buoying that up with other things that I already own, yeah. that you will have call people into your experience that'll be reflections of that where you get to practice boundaries actually i'm allowed to get upset right now and share that what you just did is not okay and me being emotional is okay because that's what i need to do right now i'm going to take responsibility for myself but i'm also going to lay down a boundary and say no that's not okay and if you're someone that's going to shame me or tell me that i'm being over dramatic or oversensitive Thank you, because you are showing me that I've got a little bit, bit more work to do, but now I can acknowledge and recognize that you're not my person, because actually I am a sensitive creature, and I need to be in a relationship with people that can hold that space for me, and that I can be myself without being judged or dismissed. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I remember kind of the point where I realized that my happiness was not dependent on my partner. Like it wasn't their job to make me happy and it wasn't my job to make them happy. And that was huge for me to kind of come to that realization. And it's been something that I've kind of carried ever since. Like, am I striving just to make this person constantly happy? Then like, I can't do that. And, or am I relying on someone else to like fill me up and fill this void that perhaps I'm dealing with I can't do that either and I think that was a massive aha moment and you know one of the things that have helped me be in a more healthy relationship yeah that's yeah. huge I mean it, it's it's almost well it is it's arrogant to think that we can make someone else happy only person that's responsible for that is each individual to themselves. And I mean, just even focusing on that, figuring out what brings you joy and getting to know yourself um, is so important. And that you do not sacrifice that relationship when you step into one with others. Mm -hmm. So what can happen lots of times that I see is that someone will do the work and then they'll step into relationship. And we always get kind of our stuff pushed into when we first start because, you know, it's a practice of being vulnerable and all of our insecurities come up to kind of be to play and for us to work through. This is a good thing. But then when you start giving up, you know, that class that was really filling you up or spending time with your dear friends that are important to other aspects of yourself or, you know, quiet time for yourself or going to the Kundalini class in order to spend time with this new partner, slippery slope. Yeah. You have to continue to nurture that. So again, another great little practice to share with everyone is one of the first things we do is taking a really good look at what kind of space you have in your life. Mm -hmm. And have you created space for your own relationship with yourself? And then in turn, for someone even to be in your life. That is huge, like creating that space. And I've had this conversation with girlfriends, one in particular, about, you know, trying to do little things to make it more like inviting or showing that you are making space to have someone in your life. And it could be something as as simple as I used to have a bed that just had one bedside table on one side. So it's like, oh, well, maybe if I got another, then it's like I'm creating a space to kind of let like the universe know that, you know what, I, I think I'm in a good place where I want someone to come into my life. Um, so yeah, I've had lots of conversations around kind of creating that space. I think that's really important. 
Yeah, um, I mean, energetically, that's mm -hmm. a beautiful practice. But also it says that when you start dating someone and they come into your pre-existing space, this person has space for me. Mm -hmm. instead of you know even being in a new relationship and starting to have the discussion about moving into each other's space and then resentment builds because what really turns out is that you want something but you're not really willing to provide space for it yeah. and time is huge um you know spiritual space emotional space is mm. enormous if you still have a series of X's that are taking up headspace and, and heart space, there's no room for this other person. So again, it's, this is being responsible for yourself and then also being loving to the person that you are attempting to invite into your world is that you gotta be able to hold space for them too. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like that is, you know, someone who probably is a bit of a workaholic, I see a lot of the time and I'm definitely guilty of this, of, you know, just filling my time with anything, especially when I was single, so that I wouldn't be left with that time on my own because that was frightening, right? Like just having that moment of like, oh God, I'm on my own and I feel shitty about it. So I would just kind of fill things up. So then when I would be trying to date, it was impossible to like meet up with someone because I literally had no time, but it was my own freaking fault. <laughs> so I think like, a lot of us do that. I mean, yes. a lot of people do this and are, un and are not aware. So that's another great thing for people to focus on. That first little baby step is just heightening your awareness, like checking in with these things. Do I have time and space? If I was to give up that time in that area, is that sacrificing a part of me or is that, would there be resentment around that? Um, what are your attachments to things when you're in certain experiences? What feelings? Just starting to practice awareness and even just writing these things down, like starting to self-study a little mm -hmm. bit, not with judgment, just with curiosity is a wonderful place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So like when someone, you know, they've done this work on themselves, perhaps they've attracted someone that they are now in a relationship with. How do you continue that process? You know, because it's really easy. As you say, some people start to, you know, give up seeing their friends so they can spend time with their partner. They give up the class that, you know, filled them with joy because they want to just spend time with their partner. So it's like, what advice do you have to kind of find that balance so that you're continuing that healthy relationship with yourself and with your partner? I think um, doing just even a daily check-in is really valuable. Um, you know, and, and then checking in again at the end of the day. Um, how am I going to support myself today? How am I going to show up for my relationship with me? Um, what, um, what do I need to tell the truth about today? Um, and then checking in at the end of the day, did I show up and support myself that way? Did I speak my truths? Is there something that needs some cleanup? We do a really powerful integrity exercise in the program. Mm -hmm. And usually it has quite a few people's faces getting red because they're like, Ooh, no, I've, I put that off. No, I haven't had that conversation. And this brings us back to that whole space thing, because when ostensibly what you're doing is another form of abandoning yourself by not addressing these things, then what they do is they start taking up emotional space and in turn physical space because they make you feel unwell. You get that constriction in the body, you get, um, uh, you know, you start holding stress in places that you might not even be aware of until inevitably it will, you know, life has a beautiful way of making you deal with things. So another really great liberating exercise is to, um, to do these little daily check-ins and be like, what's one little thing I could clean up today um, that would feel better? And then as I said at the beginning of our conversation, you become almost a bit of an addict. You're like, what else could I clean up today? <laughs> what other conversation could I have to free myself from this heaviness yeah. and to stand more firmly in my truths. And then it just, I, 
really, it just gets better and better and better and you get better at it, just like anything that you're in practice of, you get better at it. And then the things that seemed so monumental or upsetting before soon become not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So my last question is, why do you think there's still such a stigma around dating and around working on yourself? Because I mean, those two things are just so interlinked, really, you know, we've just kind of talked about how they're related. But I find that, you know, when you're dating, it's almost embarrassing that you're dating you feel shame that you've not met someone already so you start to kind of pick on all these things that are wrong with you you know make up all these excuses but then it's almost the same thing when you're working on yourself you don't want to admit that you're going to therapy you don't want to admit that you're working with a coach because you're working on these things because it's almost like admitting that you're not perfect so why do we feel that way Oh, our, our poor parents, I hate to bring them up again, but we learned from when we were little, it's that conditional thing again, mm -hmm. um, that we don't want to admit to most often the things that we think are wrong with us aren't. They're actually the really beautiful parts of ourselves, but we just haven't allowed them to see the light of day and given them the permission that they need in order to be fully seen and loved, or perhaps they've been shared with people that have their own disassociation with some of their own um, aspects of themselves mm -hmm. that they've disowned. So then in turn, they're passing that pain off onto you. I mean, we, we humans, we're really good at passing our pain around, yeah. but not always so good at taking accountability for it. So I think what we learn is that, um, and it is sold through um, peers, parents, marketing, uh, I mean, just watch a rom-com, it's ridiculous, yeah. is yeah. that, the you know the the beautiful or the valuable or the people that have all their shit together are in in a relationship and it's it's just not true so i think a lot of people will even settle for a relationship thinking that it ups their value mm -hmm. and this is not even a conscious mm -hmm. thought because when you start saying it out loud you're like well, that's ridiculous but it is this ingrained belief system within us that there is something wrong with us if we are on our own. So we fall into one of two camps. We try to either desperately get into a relationship thinking that that means something about us, or we start to champion our singledom that, you know, there's something wrong with people that are in relationship. Mm. And I mean, if you are going to someone else to get assistance, with stepping more fully into a part of yourself, whether that be your finances or your spiritual realm or your emotional, what, or your, you know, going to a gym, it, it that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. If anything, it is a show of strength that you know that you are very wisely asking for assistance from someone that can help you show you the way. Mm -hmm. And by the way, everybody, it, I mean, really what it comes down to is you, but why would you not use someone who um, already has exercised or in the process of exercising these tools to show you how to do it? I mean, would you open a restaurant without talking to other people that, or like eating at a restaurant <laughs> or going and, and learning from people that have done it already, especially the ones that have done it well? course not but we have this weird um beliefs this dysfunctional belief system around that when we go to therapy it's getting better but yeah. if we go to therapy or if we're single or if we're using a dating service or something that there's something wrong with us uh, i uh, applaud you if you are getting assistance because it is really hard to do it on your own especially when you're coming from a place most likely that no one has who taught you to be in relationship? And everything you have learned is through observation of others. And if you have, you know, hung your hat on this really um, untrue view of what relationship is, thank you, Jerry Maguire, you completely <laughs> bullshit, then you're going to struggle because that's not life. That's not reality. Um, and I think it's getting better, but uh, it, it frustrates me sometimes because what I see is people kind of lurk 
and they'll listen to people or they'll listen to podcasts or they might like pick up a book with the best intentions, but they don't really dive into it because they don't want anyone to know. Or how many times have you heard someone say, well, don't tell the people that we met online. Yeah, I know. Just, just Let's tell them we met in the grocery store because that's better. <laughs> it all takes bravery. It, it does. all takes bravery. It all takes vulnerability. And the more that you can own all of it and start giving shame a shakedown by speaking your truth out loud, the more you're going to reclaim your power and none of that stuff's really going to matter. Uh, for me, like anyone that says, I've taken this program or I'm doing this work or I'm getting assistance in this, I think they're that much more attractive and uh, they give me a feeling of safety and trust because I know this is a person that is taking responsibility for themselves and is uh, consciously, intentionally taking steps to do something to change their environment, to change their experience for the better. They are taking steps to empower themselves. And however, what way it is to do that that works for them, I say, here's to you. So own it, own it. I mean, one of the most beautiful things I see with the women that have gone through my program or that I've worked with is I'll say, you know, can I get a testimonial or will you share what your experience is about? Can I get a photo? And I know they're in the right place when they're like, absolutely. And here's my picture and put it wherever you want because they don't care. Yeah. Because the other people that have also done their work and have value on that and understand the importance will celebrate them as well. Yes. Yes. It's, it's so true. And I think that's just a beautiful place to wrap up and a beautiful place to tell people that your program is available. So my friends, I would highly recommend Andrea and I call bullshit. Um, I'll make sure to post the links in the show notes to your program. But Andrea, this has been beautiful. And of course, I always love hearing, you know, your wisdom. Um, so it's always so great to chat to you. Oh, Deb, thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure. And I always love the conversations we have. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Andrea, then you can visit her website, andreahill.love. You can also follow her on Instagram at underscore Andrea Hill underscore. And of course, I will post these links in the show notes. If you enjoyed our conversation or you have any comments that you would like to share, then you can head over to this episode page on our website, uncomfortable.log, and you can post them in the comments box. You can also follow us on social media. We are at uncomfortable.blog on Facebook and Instagram and uncomfy underscore podcast on Twitter. Now, if you like what you heard, then you can head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a glowing review. And don't forget to hit all five of those stars. You can also support us on a monthly basis by becoming a patron and pledging as little as two to five dollars per month. Now, this is a little independent podcast, so your monthly pledges will just help keep us on our feet and it will cover costs such as website and podcast hosting editing software and equipment upgrades thank you again my friends for tuning in now go out there and get uncomfortable <laughs>